Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Everything has changed and I am still the same somehow. You know I've never been afraid of death. And now I want to see the things that haven't happened yet. (laughs) Welcome, folks. This is Shit Your Shrink Thinks. Uh, This is a show where two shrinks tell you what we think about life, mental health. We give you hot goss, the tea on our own lives. (laughs) And that's a song by Ed Sheeran called Tides. It relates to our topic area today about becoming a parent. We Neither of us became fathers, but close enough. Yeah, good enough. (laughs) Yeah, still being a parent. I had referenced that song early on about uh, the closest thing I could come to a song that represented how I felt becoming a parent because I didn't feel like there were good songs related to motherhood because it's all about the love you feel for the child, which is great because I do feel the love for a child, but I wanted to to have one that talked about an identity shift. Right. And that was one that I found that did that. That fit. And I was like, well, of course, it's something that a man A man does, yeah. (laughs) Because it's okay for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, huh, I don't know what that says. Okay. But it's a great song. Ed Sheeran ties. If y'all parents want to look it up, it's a good one. It is. I like it. So as a reminder, folks, we do have an Instagram, a Patreon, a Gmail. So it's all under shit your shrink things. It would be shit your shrink things at gmail.com or you can find us under the same handles elsewhere on our social media. Yeah. We have some sick memes. We make some pretty good memes, I yeah. think. Yeah. Organic, yeah. homegrown, grass-fed memes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're delicious. And we do have a Patreon. If you folks are looking forward to donating to support our cause to keep us going, that would be great. And that's www.patreon.com forward slash shit your shrink thanks. And, yeah. you know, if you don't want to do any of those things, rating, subscribing, yeah, and following, following us. us. That's huge. Hey, we take it. We'll it take what we can get, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it helps other people to find our show. So definitely. Please. Please do. As you guys might remember, we are still learning about each other on this podcast. And we like to share a general what's good or maybe like a story that the other person might not know. Mm-hmm. So Sunny, what is your what's good for today? My what's good is actually just being able to talk to other mental health providers. Yeah. So mine is that I have a good network of colleagues that I think are very good therapists. They're really research-informed folks. They have really good heads on their shoulders. They don't kind of deal with BS. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can call any one of those people, and you're included in this mix, that and tell them any sort of story, and they will relate and validate that story pretty quickly. So, for example, I had shared with Michaela this morning a story about I, – I'll kind of de-identify this, but I was doing a presentation to a grouping of people who are non-medical – non-mental health professionals, but were medical-ish. Yeah. And the clients were very, very cool, but 
the medical professionals, let's call it, let's use that term loosely. Yeah. Uh, very loosely. Very loosely. We're kind of jumping in and making statements about mental health that I really did not agree with and didn't even think were close. And it was cool because I could just come here and say to Michaela, like, these things are bananas, right? And then Michaela could very easily say, yeah, that sounds bananas. Yeah, that's very bananas. I've never heard of that before. (laughs) Uh, One of the claims was that there was uh, some sort of type of hypnosis that could put you to sleep immediately and that um, you had to be careful to even listen to it in the car while driving because you would just – Instantly just pass out. Instantly go into this, <laughs> like, trance. And I don't think that's how that works. No, uh, no. We should probably do a podcast on hypnosis, actually. I think that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, because I, if that was that easy, you know how many things would be doing that for insomnia and shit? That's exactly I mean, it. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, so if this is true, then why do we even use anesthesia? Right. right? Yeah, like, yeah. Why, why would anesthesia be a thing? Why would pain control be a thing? Why wouldn't we just all use hypnosis? If this works on everybody, it will immediately put you to sleep. Right. And it was just a weird, I don't know, it was a weird situation. It was really validating to just come here, say, that was weird, and have somebody immediately say, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so my mental health network of, of colleagues is really useful. And I just also really appreciate their balance between hey, we know that science doesn't capture everything just yet, so we're willing to expand our framework. And also, you do have to do things that are not completely wackadoodle. Like, I really appreciate the balance. Yeah, the mental health field is definitely like that, for sure. Like, if you're deep in it, you recognize that there are some things that we can't fully explain that we should explore. Yes. But you also recognize that you need to go with the science and what is proven. Yeah, Yeah. you need to to mix it a little bit because it, it gets pretty strange out there yeah uh and i'm definitely noticing this kind of in the private sector more the more this becomes like a business it's getting stranger yeah Yeah. it it seems to be getting stranger and i things are getting in the weeds yeah i don't love that no and i will say too i don't know if this is your experience but it seems like every other type of professional thinks that they are a therapist (laughs) like every other but i can't say i'm a cardiologist Fair. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be like, yeah, I'm a chiropractor and I can crack your back or I'm a cardiologist and I can do surgery on your heart or I'm a construction worker and I can put this steel together in a particular framework to hold right, things right. together. I can't do any of that. So I don't say I do that. Right. But the weird thing is, is it feels like everybody thinks they're a therapist now. Yeah. It's like if, they're, if their client talks to them for more than 10 minutes, they're like, I just did therapy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you understand, right? That, that is not therapy. You just listened. Maybe medium good. Like, you, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was even medium good, but you listened. Maybe medium good. That's that's just called supportive listening. Yeah. That is not therapy. Right. And it's just, it's kind of like starting to drive me bonkers. It feels like. It's invalidating of what we do. I get. Yeah. yeah. It's like. You, do you know what I'm doing in a session? How many different things I'm doing in they a don't. single session? It's yeah. And I was when I was during this presentation last night, this person, this other person was kind of characterizing themselves as if they had therapy skills that I really don't think they had. Yeah. If they were jumping in like that, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> and it was funny because I was reading the group dynamic and I was like, oh, these people that I'm speaking to are very, very anxious. So based on this anxiety, let me pull this set of skills and the skills that this other human was recommending were skills that would increase anxiety. It was uh, so it was just like there were so many things going wrong and it shows 
yes, you might have like a Instagram understanding of the skills, or you might have seen something on TikTok that makes you feel like you understand how to do this. But it is actually the having practiced and being supervised by somebody mm-hmm. licensed in the job that actually is the difference maker. So like you can well, and not read something. Also getting like constructive feedback during that supervision. Absolutely. Because there are some times where you're quote unquote supervised that they aren't paying a lick of attention. That's true. You have to get, yeah, it's like an even higher bar <laughs> exactly than what, than what I said. And it's just, it's just kind of been, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who gets it because boy, it, it's kind of driving me crazy. It almost seems like a marketing technique. Like people have sure. realized mental health is really in It's like a hot word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all want to talk about it. And then there's all of this very unhelpful information out there. The other thing is too is there's a lot of cure-alls. It's like this thing, let's use hypnosis, it's going to work for everyone. Right. And the reality is the answer that people are not going to like is that each person is a total and complete individual and there's a series of factors that impacts every person's mental health. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't probably know until there was an individual assessment what factors are your big triggers, what behaviors you need to change, what thoughts you need to change, et cetera, et cetera. And so this like weird, just try MDR and you're going to be cured or just try yeah. hypnosis. Again, it's that cure-all. When, like, whenever you see that red flag, yeah. nothing is going to be a cure-all. Even if you actually get really legitimate treatment that does work for you, it's still not going to be a cure-all, dude. Yeah. I would, def- <laughs> I would definitely say being in the private sector has been like stupendous and way better. But I'm learning some lessons about I don't think I like other people in the private sector. I think I just mm. don't like other people. <laughs> Well, I think just there's a lot more freedom in the private sector. So yeah. there's, a, again, like you it's said, there's a the lot Wild more people West. who say that they know things or they've actually been practicing for a long time, yes. but they've not had any supervision. They yes. just jumped right in yes. that field in the private sector without yes. any assistance and they think they know what's up and yes. they definitely don't. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's very concerning out there. And so it's nice. It's like a really good what's good reality check framework for me to go to my other colleagues and be like okay so this is banana right am i being crazy or are they being yeah (laughs) very very often i would describe myself as like a hard to i i am hard to tick off in a observable way like i'm hard to ruffle in a observable way yeah maybe internally yes but uh i don't outwardly people don't pick up on it yeah i don't really correct people often or i don't really get lost in the sauce with people or argue very often but I did feel compulsed a little bit yesterday. Like, this is not healthy information to be putting out there anyway. So yeah. sometimes I feel like I can pick up on your subtle cues. So like, I can remember you in meetings where I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you do. I feel like you do. The meetings you've been a part of with me, though, I also wasn't that subtle. I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of like more unglued when I was working in a hospital setting because you had to be kind of a rabid dog to get anything to get, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you I'll, have to really throw some <laughs> yeah. shit in the air. And I've got some real Lord of the Flies energy if I need to. Like, if I need to pull that out, <laughs> I will. Like, but most, I don't prefer to be that way. It's just no, so much energy. Not. It's I'm a yeah. lazy. 
<laughs> please no, you you're using that. it in a constructive way. And unfortunately, you had to be almost inconstru- unconstructive yeah. to get the attention and the focus that you needed. Tell me about it, my yeah. dude. No, no. Tell me about it. <laughs> so what is your what's good? Sorry, I just went on a long train there. Hey, but I love it. I appreciate I that love you it. love it. This is why you, you and my other <laughs> mental health co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is why y'all are my what's good today. Because I don't think I think I would be like, Mugatu. It's the same look. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> She's like, hmm. Yeah, says- Blue Steel looks like. What's the other one he... Oh, oh, God. What is the other one besides I can't remember. Blue Steel he uses? Yeah, but they remember. all are the same. Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. Magnum. Is it Magnum? Oh, Magnum. That yeah, might be. Yeah, yeah. What's that show called? Now I can't Zoolander. Remember. Zoolander. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, God. What's your what's good this week? My what's good is that the husband and I are making progress on a potential move. Yeah, we're going to go check out a house and we will see how that goes. We might be living in a different area soon. So that is exciting for us because we've been kind of wanting to get a fresh start. Yep. Yep. Get a little bit more rural. And yes, I love that. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm hopeful, but I'm also a little pessimistic because I, you know, I don't. I'm guessing it's a little out of our price range, but we'll see. Hey, <laughs> hey, if it's rural, maybe, maybe, maybe not. not. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's that's great. I'm very excited for you. We're going to have to learn how to record online, which yes. I feel confident in our abilities to do. I think we can figure it out. I actually think it's easy, allegedly. Okay. The I was going to say, what we could do initially <laughs> is like travel to visit each other every few weeks and yeah. record several. That'd be pretty I thought easy. we could do that too. Oh, like, that I'd be more than willing easy. to drive to you and I'm sh- we do if like I get this place that'd be time. spiced in that house. Ooh. <laughs> and I could see your home. Yeah. That'd be cool. That actually but is not a bad idea. At least why we figure out the nuts and bolts perhaps. Yeah, how but we'll see. Deal. Yeah, exactly. We'll see we'll see how the future rolls out. Yeah. Whatever I'm hopeful is. that we can also get some of this on a YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> the way you said it was so awesome. So you can see our faces. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the works, folks. We'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. Be kind and gentle with us in this. <laughs> yeah. We have beautiful faces, but I don't know. <laughs> so what did you try for outside of session practice? Mine was just to reach out to some individuals I know who are pregnant and check in to see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I did it. Woo. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Did you notice any benefits? Um, I mean, I think I just validated the struggle mm-hmm. is real. Yeah. You know, they were saying like, now I'm not dealing with this, like the sickness quite as much, mm-hmm. but now everything hurts and yeah. <laughs> I can't sleep at all. Yes. And, you know, I'm being pushed on all these different levels with work and I just don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understood. And I was like, "Yup, yes, <laughs> I feel ya." I f- yes. I also did a uh, postpartum related homework. Yeah, and it also went fairly well. I talked to a friend of mine and kind of disclosed more about the journey that I had gone through. And I think again, I just when something is bad, I will just say this is a bad thing that is happening to me, and I do not like it. And I don't think it raises anybody's alarm bells because. I mean, I remember listening back to episodes early on when we were editing mm-hmm. where I would say, I really hate that. It makes me so angry. And I remember feeling like enraged about the thing. But when I listened back to myself, I sounded like, this is fine. And- <laughs> <laughs> You're that dog, that meme with everything on fire. This is fine. This everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that when I say something is bad, people don't necessarily know. And yeah. I talked to a friend of mine and really did give more detailed examples 
of what had been going on during pregnancy and then birthing process. And it was cool because she had had a really tough one and now was having a much easier one. And so she could validate and say, yes, the experience you had was atypically bad. It was not a great experience. You are not just... Right. Yours was worse than many. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just a wimp. Um, Because I think when people heard me say I'm having sleep problems or heard me say like, I feel weird. I think they thought that I was saying it in the same way that they were saying it. Right. But I think. Yeah. Yours was next level. Yeah. And and so it like helped me to like actually go through the narrative of it and be like, hey, I didn't want to complain because it just sounds so negative back to back to back like that. But now that I'm kind of out of it, I was able to express all of the little things that happened. And my friend was like, holy shit balls. Yeah. And I said, yeah, holy shit balls. Thank you for that reaction. I mean, she was like, I did not realize that was all happening. Right. And I think on some level, I, you know, when you just are going through it, you just got to keep. Yeah. Well, I think when you were, you kind of didn't really share much with me either at the time. Like I could tell you were struggling a bit, but you weren't very open about what you were truly experiencing. You were just kind of like, here's a little sprinkling of. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then later you told me the real, real deal. And I was like, holy shit, Sunny. Like, what? That's that's my MO. (laughs) That's my MO. But the, the large portion of it is not that I. I do want social support, but I find sometimes when something is so bad, the only thing I can really do is like put blinders on and just to, tunnel through. Yeah. And yeah. just like, especially if it's time limited and I know it's time limited, yeah, yeah, yeah. then it's just easier not to bitch about it because there's nothing anybody can, especially when it's something you just have to accept. Yeah. Then, yep. It's like that radical acceptance and you're like, I just have to get through this moment. Yep. And it, you're giving it more energy almost exactly. by talking to it more and, yes. and, so I get that in those yes. experiences. Ex- sure, that, sure. That's exactly it. But then I did do the narrative with a friend like yep. I had talked about. And after, you know, being out of it and doing the narrative with somebody, it was really helpful. So a little, little bit of everything there. Definitely disclosing my struggle more to others. I think people are like, what is going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, I, I think your experience was in like the 1% of uh-huh. pregnancies. It was I feel like really... That. yeah. Next level. Yeah. <laughs> it, the only thing, the only positive is everybody was healthy. Like that Right. Was everything like, turned out okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like everything's all right. But when I would be like, yeah, I'm in pain. My hip hurts. People would assume it was like typical. Typical hip pain. Yeah. yeah which is, you yeah. have. Like everybody, everybody has. has yeah. But- yeah. Or like, oh, I'm not <laughs> sleeping. And everybody like, yeah, you're getting up to pee all night, you know? Right. And then when I would be like, no, I'm sleeping one hour a night. I don't think people really believed- what you were saying that mm-hmm. because it's like doesn't seem to make sense you know but yeah so, yeah then when i described it all to my friend she was like yeah that's weird but i kept thinking like am i just being a wimp because and then oh, i was yeah. like maybe the world well that's yeah is way tougher than i think it is right and i'm just a wimp uh but then i was like, i think the- we all experience it that when we we're yes. when we we're in the midst we're like am i just being a puss about this <laughs> yeah, like yeah. is this real life like i was having contractions all day on yeah. my birth and i thought i was having braxton hicks and i'm like i'm just being a real pussy about these braxton hicks my god <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you you know? like gaslight yourself. Yeah. And then later you're like, oh, I was in labor. Oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we all have a tendency to gaslight ourselves a bit. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it's actually really nice to just be like, hey, this is bad. Here are all the things. And people be like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then yeah. have people validate it. It was like, hey, this is cool. So I highly recommend doing like a little narrative with somebody who's already been through it. Maybe don't share your like 
if you've yeah, had don't it. traumatize somebody new yeah. who's about to experience it. Exactly. Like, don't <laughs> lay that on a noob. Like, lay that on an experienced veteran somewhere else down the line. Yeah, like, yeah. Wait, don't don't tell that to a new person who is right. actively pregnant. Or no, they don't it. need to know your horror stories. That's not important to nope. them at that moment. It's just stressful. So for what that's worth yeah, but yeah, yeah no i was talking to somebody who was an experienced veteran of the game right and we're sh- swapping war stories and yeah, that yeah. is a more um pleasant way to do it i would say sure yeah <laughs> so what are we chatting about today it's part two of postpartum and pregnancy yeah 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 so today we're gonna talk just a little bit about the actual act of giving birth and how mm-hmm. crazy sauce that can mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. and then we're just gonna s- discuss the very real struggle with everything postpartum and newborn life absolutely yeah, yeah. these are big changes changes in our lives. So that does affect our mental health. That affects the way that we cope, the way that we live. And we're literally having to change our day-to-day routines. And mm-hmm. after just experiencing something that was maybe a little bit traumatic yes. and not really having any time to process that and not really having any time to recover. It's very true how you describe that part about not having any time to recover. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like, oh, here, you just had a baby or you were just like cut up and, you know, had a major surgery. Mm-hmm. Now go home. Yeah. And care for this human. Have a bowl. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> bye. It's like the meme of I'm really struggling and somebody reaches out the hand to the drowning person then high Gives fives. them a high five. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I will say the very first part of mental health wise that we have to think of in regards to what can affect your mental health with birth is that whether or not so if it's a healthy normal birth then there are still recovery periods and time constraints after that and if you have a birth trauma then that is i mean it's the same thing that can produce ptsd it is a trauma so if you feel like your life is in danger your baby's life is in danger somebody else's life and it doesn't it does turn out well or it doesn't is not really relevant necessarily. Right. It's just the experience that you had. Yeah. You can still develop uh, trauma symptoms or even an acute trauma response afterwards. Sure. So that would, again, as a reminder for folks, be intrusive thinking about the birth or things that happened in the birth that were very scary, uh, memories that just pop in your head. You can't get away from them. Mm-hmm. Nightmares. You try to do anything you can to avoid thinking about that birthing event, right? whatever it was for you. And you might have changes in your beliefs about yourself, the world, and other people. Your right. mood might be different afterwards. Yeah. You might be anxious about ever trying to have another kid, too. I mean, yeah. maybe you had plans to have a whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. And now you're like, nope. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> Hard pass. I don't want to yeah. die. I yeah. don't want them to die. Yeah. That was too scary and close. Yeah. And you just kind of are out after that time. So. Birth trauma can do it, and then just the recovery period of whether you have C-section or vaginal delivery, that is something that affects mental health, too. We know that pain in all its forms impacts mental health, makes people more likely to be depressed or anxious. Yep. And also just the kind of like sleep deprivation that comes with the initial birth and then the recovery process itself. Yeah. I mean, you're in the hospital. They're waking you up every couple hours and like <laughs> sticking prod you. And uh, <laughs> even when you're in there, they're like, nope, you can't recover, but get some sleep. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I saw a hilarious video where <laughs> it was like this man impersonating the night nurses. It was like, okay, I'm going to come in in about 10 minutes and give you your medicine. Okay. How you feeling? You getting some sleep? 
okay. And then it'd be like two minutes later, okay, I'm going to come in in eight minutes, give your medication. How you feeling? You getting some sleep? Okay. Like it is just <laughs> all night somebody is waking you up. You're right. like, what is happening? Like I need to sleep, but they're always trying to check Which your- is, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It they got to do their job. Yep. Sometimes though, it's just a little- what? Like I I have heard of nurses waking people up to give them sleeping medications. Like it's happened. True. Just like Mendis. Just like there are bad professionals in every field. Yes. Sometimes there are people in that field that are like, really? Really though? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely remember things of that nature. Yeah. It's hard too because like they make you have to pee at certain times and right. take your blood at certain times. Yep. And yeah. So that's one thing that can affect mental health right afterwards. And then you reference the time off thing. Yeah, in the U.S., we're often only given six weeks. If that. If that. Yeah. To recover. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe 12 if you had a C-section or just have a good employer. And often our men, like our husbands, aren't given like any time. Like a day. Like you can be there for the day of your child's birth and that's it. And you have to get back to work. Yeah. That's what absolutely wild stuff. And I think that men of older generations really feel sad about that. Yeah, they missed a lot of experiences. It's. I think it was really hard for them. I think it was like they had to repress and that was what it was expected of them. Yep. And so they had to just do it. But I think a lot of them are really sad about that. I've talked to a lot of men where it's not what you would expect. They're not thinking, yeah, I want to go back. They want to stay. Yeah, and they want to be supportive and help and they want to see those milestones and they want to – I mean, again, the woman has just experienced – yeah. Something crazy with her body. Yeah. And it's trying to physically recover, which makes it hard to care for an yeah. infant sometimes. I yes. mean, after having a C-section, you can only lift so much and bend mm-hmm. and do whatever. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then There's no bend and snap. <laughs> yeah, no. And yet you're left by yourself. Unless you have mm. some family that can come in and help, you're supposed to do that yeah. by yourself and you're, you're partner isn't allowed yeah whoever the to be a partner is, yeah exactly it's like if you were not the one that gave birth then sorry yeah which is really sad because it's like well the person who did give birth needs aid right so this is a, a two-person job or at least there should be some aid in some form right could you imagine having twins too or like you know what i mean Girl, like uh- <laughs> right that's what i'm saying though yeah. like they we're not acknowledging what experience this is and the process and also, how effing important it is to yeah. raise kids, yeah. like the the amount of just ignoring yeah. children, basically, and the necessities yeah. of it is just bonkers. It is bonkers. I continue to, you know, have the belief that I, I really think uh, <laughs> the fabric of our society might be unraveling in large part due to the fact yes. that we do not support parents. Yep. Like, I, I think that it's like, if you had parents that had more time for their children, there would be more ability for those children to learn how to do emotion regulation, yes. to learn how to share, to learn how to help, to learn how to care for others outside of themselves, yep. and to care for our world and our yeah. environment, all of these different things. But the problem is, is that you know these poor kids and these poor parents are just like put back into the machine yep. and asked to just keep going and then it creates this context where it's like a me 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 look out for myself only do for me because there's no space for anybody else right which makes sense i'm not that's not a judgment no because we're we're in survival mode yeah. and and when you're in survival mode you got to make sure you're eating yes you know exactly <laughs> exactly like i have to really focus on what's going on right here at home and that's it and so really just feel like if we supported parents and children a lot more with time yes. i think 
that our culture as a whole would have better emotion regulation skills. I think we'd have lower mental incidences of, you know, suicidality, homicidality, depression, anxiety, because our family systems would be much more connected Mm -hmm. and there would be some sort of social support and there would be some sort of tribe and community because of the time that was spent. But we don't have that. Yeah. And it's not that people don't want it. It's that we're not allowed it half the time. Right. Exactly. People want this. That's their instinct is to be near their kids. To take care of their children. But they have to weigh, do I put food on the table mm-hmm. and that has to be that has to be the first thing yeah right you have to take care of the physical needs in order for the brain to live right <laughs> and yeah and it makes sense why then you can't you're just surviving and you're not really thriving which yeah. is just sad yeah but when like europe i'm pretty sure women yes. get a year and men get six months that's so like amazing. that's a that's at least something in my opinion it should be like a couple years yeah honestly yeah because there is so much that happens in those first years of development yeah but that's way better than the u.s freaking yeah. you just jump right back in doesn't matter oh no european listeners shout out yeah (laughs) scandinavian in particular i know we have some scandinavian listeners and i think i believe you even get like a special little baby box yeah i think they do yeah that's got diapers and Mm -hmm. formula at least all those first essential needs (sighs) whereas we aren't giving shit like you get a little bit of what the hospital gives you like if your baby used it yeah yeah you get the wipes Like I since since my baby was in NICU, I actually came home with a decent bundle of things. So that Mm -hmm. was semi a nice perk, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But upsides, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) gotta look for the upsides. Uh, Our poor American ass is describing our dystopia. People are like, "Uh, "You got wipes? That's so sad, man." (laughs) Yeah, but really, it is. It is. Yeah, you aren't sent home with anything you need. Yep, you're sent home immediately. (laughs) You're you're like, bye. Okay. Yeah, it's not it's not a great deal. And I think, again, unless you're particularly resilient or you do a lot of things to foster community or you find ways to get out of work or you hoard money until you have enough to do this, it can be really challenging. Like it, yeah. it just is. The system isn't really set up to support people who give birth. It's just no, it's not at all. It's really not. And again, when you get home, you're trying to learn this whole new experience and mm-hmm. you're trying to take care of the home life too right you're not mm-hmm. you're trying to make real food do the laundry dishes cleaning mm-hmm. and if even if you took like a childbirth class or like a a class for taking care of newborns i mean it's not the same as on the job training no right no, like <laughs> we need to do like an internship or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of it depends on, like, partner support. So I used to do research in women who were pregnant Mm -hmm. and also postpartum. And there were a couple of big factors that determined whether the woman became depressed or anxious or had traumatic symptoms after birth. Um, And one of the biggest factors was spousal support in terms of time. Yeah. Like, that person's energy. Um, Also, financial support from the spouse was another big uh, factor just predicting you know whether somebody gets depressed or anxious surprisingly uh and the thing is is like we're not kind of told how to work as a team or to build that framework yeah it's just like bye and then you have to figure it out like you said on the job (laughs) right well i think unfortunately sometimes what happens is with that partnership is there's like resentments that are built up Mm -hmm. and instead of that child instead of you guys kind of coming together and working together as a team there's like this wedge that gets drawn between families like Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like i see a lot of times where people end up having divorces after having kids because 
they just don't know how to work together. And all of a sudden, there's all these extra responsibilities that they don't know how to communicate and how mm. to process together. Mm. And definitely. It, I feel like I've read some research somewhere about the first year being like a very divorce heavy year. But I don't remember. I couldn't remember. I couldn't pull the stat for you sure. right now. But yeah, I can see that. So that's another thing that affects mental health. It's just kind of like turbulence and communication mm-hmm. and then also the expectations. Time is another huge one. It's just like your time constraints affect your mental health. They do. They do. And as p- the people who gave birth or as the main caregiver, mm-hmm. we're often expected to do all these different things like there's all these shoulds mm-hmm. about what we should be doing mm-hmm. when we get home mm-hmm. with our bodies with our baby mm-hmm. all after possibly just experiencing something traumatic and again yeah. even if it wasn't traumatic most likely whatever birth plan you yeah. came up with it did, did not happen that yeah. way like there was at least something <laughs> you're like oh <laughs> hard pass yeah did not like that yeah that was not my plan definitely 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 I think some examples are like you're supposed to breastfeed, you're supposed to limit caffeine, you're supposed to eat this really ha- healthy diet, you're supposed to sleep better, but somehow how? We don't know, right. right? And you're supposed to keep up with your social life too. Just because you had a baby doesn't mean that you should just cut off all your friends and stop yeah. interacting with people. Yeah. And you're supposed to exercise and, you know, eat healthy. Yeah. And all these different things that that are given to you while you're literally adjusting your entire life framework. Mm -hmm. Again, there's an identity shift that's happening too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much happening in this time period and there's so many outside observers telling us what we should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. What I really recommend to people is get your values real straight and like your 10, your big 10 or big 15 values and what are your real top values. And if if something in your day, time-wise, is not lining up with that value, you cut ruthlessly. Like, you yeah. trim the fat ruthlessly. And eventually, you really want to streamline the shit you're doing or the stuff you are giving a crap about in your daytime because there simply isn't time. And if you're using your time with people-pleasing, you're you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> it's going to be a bad time. Yeah. So it's like you really want to focus on just, you know – if your health is valuable to you or your mental health or whatever the thing that's valuable or your friends or whatever, pick. I mean, you get one a day pretty much. You're not right. going to get a yeah. whole lot beyond nope. that. Maybe you get one a day. And that's that's really okay. That's okay. It's not permanent. It doesn't last like that. It's not, like tw- not going to be for the rest of your life. But knowing that you do have time constraints right now, you want to make sure to pick and not expect yourself to do everything at one time. Yeah. Try to limit your expectations of what your day-to-day life is going to look like because it's going to be different. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We like to push ourselves to extreme personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then have a breakdown later. Whatever. (laughs) We are different and immortal. (laughs) (laughs) Not. Yeah. I also want to just talk a little bit about the whole breastfeeding thing because uh, I feel like yeah we there is so much shade so much thrown shade. to people shade. about breastfeeding yes you know even when you're in that pregnancy stage people are like are you gonna breastfeed they just ask you yeah they just straight ask you people yeah. you do not know no you have no random stranger random stranger will come up to you and be like see your pregnant belly are you gonna breastfeed up? are you gonna breastfeed it's like I, hey nice to meet you my name is Sunny like let's start right. here what well, it's like. Hey, what's up with your genitals? Is it like, yeah. I don't, what a weird question. Show me your genitals. Yeah. Your genitals. Do you remember that? I do. Your genitalia. 
<laughs> it does feel a little bit like that song. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's a, it's a very strange. It's like you would never bring up somebody's breasts in any other situation. Right. But then it's like your body almost becomes public property. Yes. Yeah. And what you're doing with your baby becomes the knowledge of the public, which is very unusual. So, yes, it's a shady situation that yeah. can affect your mental health because there's there, a lot of guilt and shame. There is. And they're just just that damn stigma. And according to the CDC... While 83% of babies are breastfed at birth, by three months, only 40% are still exclusively breastfed, like yeah. not given extra formula. Right. I mean, it's something that's really hard to keep up with. I don't know very many people that that actually keep up with it, no. whether it's breastfeeding, pumping, whatever. That I don't process, think I know a single soul who doesn't mix. Like right. I, in my personal world, I don't know a single person who that doesn't also had to do mix formula. formula. Yeah. yeah. Like it, particularly if you're working. Right. If you go back to work after six to 12 weeks, there is your pumping schedule is effed because you need to be Ugh. pumping or breastfeeding every couple of hours. Yes. And there's really no And it's way from the time you that. start, too. Yes. Like, that's the other part that's crazy sauce. So like, it's really like every hour and a half. Right. Honestly. Yeah. 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 And depending on how long it takes for you to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes my pumping is like an hour long. Yes. An hour long. Yes. And so then if I'm trying to increase supply, they say you have to do it every two hours. So therefore, I'm literally washing the parts, sitting down for like a half hour and getting everything ready to go again. (laughs) Yeah, staring off into space, let your brain be static, and then you're like, okay, starting again. Yeah. Right. You're pretty much attached to it constantly. And so I think that there's this like, there's the motto like, breast is best. But I am not, I think I might get shot for this, but the research does not totally support that. Yeah. So the research does not support gigantic differences between the two things in terms of like, long-term clinical outcomes for the mm-hmm. baby so the point is is that like you should be able to do what feels healthy and happy for your family right. so like maybe you feel like hey for my baby breastfeeding seems to help us bond more sure let's do that okay great that's a great choice for you and your family mm-hmm. um maybe if you are feeding your baby formula you are doing so because you couldn't breastfeed for whatever reason And also maybe it helps you to get enough sleep so that you can be more present for your baby. Sure. And that is a great reason. But in terms of clinical outcomes, I did a deep dive on this research, y'all. And it's – the research is very sketchy. I think – I think kind of uh, we operate on an improper framework of – why breastfeeding is good Mm -hmm. so it reminds me a lot of the fertility studies where people were saying well fertility completely drops off after 30 or right yeah (laughs) and then what you looked at is this these research studies quote unquote were done in like the 1700s in infertility like or or in infertility clinics and it's like well, this data is not relevant skewed. to a current population. Sure. So there might be some things we can extrapolate. And it's the same for breastfeeding data. When I looked at what I saw out there, there was only a couple of uh, randomized clinical trials and only one really good one that was in at this time in Belarus. And the differences between bre- breastfeeding and formula were pretty minimal. There were some um, tiny gains in breastfeeding on like respiratory development or mm. not development i'm sorry protection against respiratory illnesses bugs okay yeah sure but they only lasted for as long as you were breastfeeding they didn't i mean it wasn't mm. like a prolonged sort of thing there was no attachment differences no cognitive differences no yeah. emotional differences it's kind of like you need to self-select into what is best for your family and that will probably produce the best outcomes right um i've also i i don't know i just it's the same thing with anything if it's a cure-all 
if you're being told yeah, yeah. that this does everything, breastfeeding is going to, you can put it on their scalp and they won't have cradle cap and you can put it on their <laughs> butt and it's going to cure their poop and you can put it on their yeah. belly and then they won't, you know, it's like, I have a hard time believing anything that is just going to wipe clean any problems that have ever happened. It simply doesn't work that way. That's Mm -hmm. not the way Earth works. (laughs) No, no. And again, there's a percentage with the CDC that 60% of mothers do not breastfeed for as long as they intend to. Like, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that try because of the stigma and because of the pressure. Yeah. And then they aren't able to either because there's issues with lactation, like maybe Mm -hmm. there's some just issues with the letdown there's issues Mm -hmm. with latching Mm -hmm. maybe there's some concerns with nutrition and weight so they literally like what they're producing is not enough or or heavy enough yeah it's not um dense enough right i know somebody who had that problem it was just like watery and didn't have enough nutrition or it could be that the mothers are taking some certain medications maybe they gotta get on antidepressants right after right right that's to help you gotta keep the ship afloat yeah you have to keep yourself alive man yeah Maybe there's just not supportive policies at work or lack of, you know, the leave or you don't have a place to even pump or Mm -hmm. maybe there's just lack of family support. Mm -hmm. There's so many different reasons that people aren't able to to follow through with that. And yet and yet you're shamed for it. Yeah. And that's just bullshit. And honestly, I mean, personally, right now I am trying with my daughter being in the NICU initially. She was given the bottle first. Like first Mm -hmm. we weren't allowed to breastfeed for the first two weeks. She was just fed through the nose. Sure. And now she prefers bottle to breast. So I'm trying to pump all the time. But all that is, it's exhausting. And there's like real nipple trauma. And you are not given, (laughs) you are not given real support or knowledge on how to handle that. Like the flange sizes, like little, all those different things. It should be the DSM trauma, nipple related. (laughs) Seriously, yeah. I don't think people fully understand the struggle of, of trying to produce that milk and the stress that that actually adds. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's adding that much stress to your life, then right. sometimes it is better to just quit. Like, right. it, it's better for your mental health if you are just stressed and anxious about how much am I producing? How much, oh my God, we wasted like this much and it right. would took me this long to get that much out. And right. And remember, maternal mental health is actually associated with baby outcomes. Yeah. And so if you're thinking like, oh, if I don't do this specific breastfeeding regimen, then they'll die. It's actually probably more likely that if you were to take care of your mental health and be feeling a little bit better and do the things that you need to feel okay for you, your baby's actually probably going to do a lot better. Mm -hmm. It's like beautiful how that works. It's very symbiotic. And so, hey, take the edge off a little bit and remember that the better you're doing, the better your offspring is going to be doing. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. It is. It is. And I think they can sense the vibe. You know what I mean? If you're all anxious or if you're all depressed and Mm -hmm. you're really struggling with things, Mm -hmm. your baby's probably going to be that much more upset. Yeah. Which is further upsetting, right? When you can't calm your baby down. Yeah. There's all sorts of attachment studies on, you know, maternal depression. Uh, For example, uh, moms who are depressed end up looking less uh, at their babies and they Mm. attend less just to the emotional cues because they're so sad inside and they're having a hard time like attending to anything. So their face isn't as responsive, et cetera. And so, but it's, and so that can relate to like infants not attaching as well. But as soon as you get yourself some sleep, Maybe throw some formula down if you need to, whatever is your journey. Yeah. Then I mean, go see a therapist. Like yeah, you go see a therapist. Try to do a little bit of that or a med if you talk need. to some friends or mm-hmm. something. Get some kind of support. Yeah. Or have your partner do something around the house for you. Uh, yeah. Or whatever. Seriously. Ask for some, <laughs> ask for some <laughs> financial support if you need it, whatever that is. But 
as soon as you get that kind of range back in your emotions, it helps your infant. So, hey, don't it's try to be a little less severe on yourself with that breastfeeding journey. I mean, really, it's really. Not- yeah, I, I don't know very many people who actually did stick with it. Most that I know are pure formula. Yeah, I mean, it's shit happens. It's, yeah. If you can, dope. that's cool. If you can't, also okay. dope. And yeah. I think that, again, it's the statistics are that mm-hmm. most of us don't. So if you're getting shamed, yeah, give them a middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also too, like you can be pretty scientific about it. You can yeah. say, well, a lot of the formula studies were done in countries that don't have access to clean running water. Right. Yeah. So, that's part of why the stats were skewed initially, right, so which I course, think is crazy sauce. Yeah. So yeah. of course, breastfeeding is going to be far, far, far superior to getting, I don't know, dysentery right like, from the water that you're using to mix your formula with yeah, so, uh. so if, you, if you are a listener who has clean running water we are at an advantage right right so it's just like things like that to think about yeah so all of this is just a heck of a lot to handle all mm-hmm. why our identities are being morphed mm-hmm. we might go from adoring the baby and marveling at their little tiny fingers and toes to grieving our loss of independence mm-hmm. and worrying about our ability to care for our newborn mm-hmm. It's a lot. So with those lifestyle changes, almost everybody, I guarantee, experiences some level of adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> some it's level normal. of adjustment disorder. Yeah. You're going to be having some ups and downs. Yep. That's And that's normal. What we want you to understand is like it does get better. It can get better. It's yeah. going to be okay. And there are things you can do about it. And parenting can be a pretty magical journey yeah but it's like we got to acknowledge the realities of what goes on to then make it into a magical journey it's kind of the opposite like if you avoid it it will become less magical (laughs) right yeah but if you are able to just acknowledge what's going wrong and address it then it will become more magical there's a reason people do it it is pretty cool right we have to be aware of what the pitfalls are so that we can address them. Yes. That's all. Just like with any kind of diagnosis or struggle, mm-hmm. like the more that you acknowledge that, all right, this is happening right now, mm-hmm. the more you're going to be able to process that experience and work yourself through it. Exactly. So around one in seven women can develop postpartum depression. Yeah, it's a lot. That's, yeah. And I want to say, I read a stat that was like 50 to 80% of people just have symptoms. Mm. So it's like, yeah, they don't meet full criteria, yeah. but they they're on they're on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something something is happening. Eighty percent of people, man. So yeah, it's like one in seven get the full clinical, right? And then like up to eighty percent of them have symptoms. So we're all we are all feeling some type of way about this, right? And yet again, I feel like there's another layer of stigma around mm-hmm. disclosing if you're having postpartum depression. Like even the stupid when you go in to do the doctor and they do the screen. Oh god, it's like if you actually screen. acknowledge how you are. Yeah. I feel like then they're like. Uh, actually, I really wanted you to say, I'm great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And then they're like, they have this like weird conversation with you where they're like, maybe you should see someone. And it feels like really shamey and weird. And you're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to just take those feelings and put them way up my butt. <laughs> that is, we are not going to take it up that. your butt. <laughs> yeah. Put it up your butt. <laughs> so, yeah, with just the fear of life changes, the lack of support, the lack of understanding, all while you're supposed to be adoring your new lifestyle, despite mm-hmm. some of the experiences and traumas that you're struggling to and adjusting to, it's it's a lot. And, yeah. you know, you might be grieving 
I do think I'm grieving some independence as, you know, my schedule is now dictated around what the baby needs and pumping and my list of chores has increased tenfold. Forever chores. Right, forever chores. So there's so much added stress and I'm not always feeling competent in what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which adds another layer because I'm a perfectionist and I'm like, I should know exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) Am I not supposed to dribble the baby like a basketball? Like, I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) There was this like thing. Oh, this is terrible. I shouldn't joke about this. But there was a thing in the hospital that it it was like one two three don't shake me yes they made you watch this video about not shaking your baby yeah, yeah. And we kept we kept joking like wait one two three do shake me like what right. am i supposed to do here it's like because it's like the whole thing is ridiculous there's yes. no it's like what there's no rule the only rule is do not shake like, right is it, that's it. it in the office when pam is pregnant ryan says hey by the way you shouldn't shake the baby yeah like ryan like, like says that and she's like thanks ryan yeah, thanks like, no shit i got that one but like what about any real information you right about yeah what to do yeah because there's no there's no guidebook and babies are all different i mean really they are so yeah I will say too, I mean, as I've shared on the podcast, a big part of my identity has always been being, you know, a pirate sailing the seven seas. Like I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't gel with the kind of, it. I have never fit with the lifestyle archetype of motherhood. Sure. It, it just does not fit me. I try it on so many times and that cloak looks weird as hell on my body. So I, I know that and it's not a badge of honor. I actually just wish I could fit in. I just don't. And so it, that is definitely a struggle, I can say. And you you do start to learn different ways of being that, you know, your brand, your personal mothering brand <laughs> is yeah. just different and you can adjust to that. But yeah, in the beginning, it is, it's a hard adjustment. It's a hard adjustment. And you can see people don't totally gel with- Right. The fact that you- have a different level of independence yeah 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 yeah. they're like um what you're not completely loving being an ultimate all-time caregiver yeah yes and uh you know i mean we did like i said take our baby uh on a hike through some dense forest and kind of did our thing that way and it i think that people don't always gel with that concept of parenting so it can be hard to get yeah some judgment that way um but Honestly, I would kind of recommend to audience members is like you have to know your flavor and engage with your flavor because that kid is, you know, of you or if you adopted, maybe not totally of you, but is grown in your environment. So Mm -hmm. they're going to understand you best and you're going to understand them. Yeah. The more you're authentic, the more they're going to be able to find their own authenticity. Yeah. And their authentic self is probably going to match more closely to yours than anybody else. So it's like, there's no use trying to appease or uh, yeah. act like something you are not is right. kind of what I would what I would imagine. Yeah. That. F all the judgments. Again, middle finger in the air. Yeah. You do you. Yeah. And I guarantee your baby's going to be like, that's cool. Yeah. I want to do some of that too. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in that little stage before they get, you know, teenagery and want to rebel. Yeah. They're initially like, I love everything you love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, that's right. You cool, baby. <laughs> so... Based on all this, do we want to try to do something in particular for outside of podcast experimentation? I think I just want to do a little bit more of a mental health check-in with myself during this transition because it is a lot to to adjust to. And I mean, although I do feel like my identity hasn't changed too much because I've kind of always been 
the mother hen in a lot of yeah, settings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're but, party mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I am still, you know, struggling and adjusting. And frankly, the breastfeeding part is a large factor in my stress mm-hmm. factors. Mm-hmm. So I just want to do a mental check-in and kind of gauge where I'm at on mm-hmm. the scale of stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good idea. I I am going to do a physical uh watching my physical health. Okay. So there were some things that had happened during pregnancy that were buck wild that have left me with some physical residuals. Mm-hmm. And I just went to the doctor, got them checked out, and they have a plan for me moving forward, which are which is super helpful. And I just want to stick very concretely to the plan. So like my whole thing yeah. is I'm going to be more good about eating whole foods, being on an anti-inflammatory diet, kind of getting my medication squared away and just really focusing on like just boosting my immune system and just being really good about doing what is necessary for my physical body. To get back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because- Which has been validating, I think, to at least see that doctor and be like, uh, yeah, this is this is why this is still a little buck wild. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you what, one of the biggest protective factors that I can recommend to people who are moms or who are going to become moms is to interview your doctors before you go through the birthing process, whether it's a general practice doctor or whether it is an OBGYN or a midwife, and make sure their values line up with yours and that they're really listening to what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. since I had so many weird things going on, it would have been really, really traumatic if I didn't have. If such you're a being cool... gaslit all the time, yes, yeah. exactly. And I they do that sometimes. That yes, yeah. I have had that happen, but. These grouping of medical professionals is like SEAL Team 6 of the birth situation. (laughs) They have listened to everything I've said. I've been able to request each and every lab and test I've wanted. And lo and behold, when I did request a recent test, it did show that there were some abnormal findings. Mm -hmm. They can be fixed. And my medical provider believed me and we're getting it all squared away. And it's just really lovely. Like it's actually a really lovely experience. So I just want to focus on like getting my health together. But that's just a piece of advice for moms. I mean, I cannot tell you how many clients I've seen who've had like birth trauma because them and their provider didn't gel and they didn't feel comfortable communicating a problem. So if you can, remember, you can actually set up an appointment Mm -hmm. just to interview a provider. And you can fire people too. I mean, you could start off with a provider and be like, okay, let's see how this goes. And if you're not liking it, be like, okay, bye. I'm going to find a new provider. Yes, absolutely. And you can even do that with pediatricians. Sure. I interviewed my pediatrician. I'm kind of a crazy pants about that. And (laughs) this woman, oh my God, just a side note, she's a total G. She has five kids. She doesn't give an F about literally anything. She's just... Just like on another level. She's a medical expert and a real life expert. Yeah. I, mean, I think – and she's also super pretty and I just – I oh, wow. idolize her. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. How do I be – I want to be your friend but also your kid, also your mentee. Like what – I don't know what role I want with yeah. you but I just – think you are the coolest thing that's ever walked. I mean – I really do. People who have multiple kids because my understanding – and this is my first one – but every single kid and every single birth experience, and ev- they're all completely different. I and what that. works for one yeah. doesn't work for the next one. I hear that. So every time, even if you think you're an expert, you're like, I got this. I, I managed that last one and kept it alive. Next one's like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, throw some new jazz at you. Boop, boop, beep, 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 <laughs> my, one of my good friends who had just had a baby sent me a, I think it was a TikTok where it said, you know, me being concerned about my oldest child being too sensitive. Oh, and then the youngest throat punches. You know, <laughs> no, 
that was a different one. Oh. But yeah, it was basically the same thing. It was like too sensitive and it shows a picture of the oldest one. And then it's like my second child who doesn't give a shit about anything. And then it's like shows a picture of sh- uh, Mr. Shelby from Peaky Blinders fleeking a cigarette into a building and then it blowing up. <laughs> Just like <laughs> these two kids are totally different. Right. I mean, yeah. or the throat I've, Yeah, I've like, seen the one where it's like me being concerned that my oldest isn't going to be kind enough to my youngest. And the oldest one is like, calmly talking to the youngest my youngest throat punches the oldest (laughs) yeah like what you perceive is gonna happen is just like buck wow it's not it's not so just you know that's okay that's okay (laughs) so those are our homework uh assignments for this week we'll try them out we'll let you know how they go as usual and maybe you can learn from our mistakes yeah if you're if you are out there but i do want to close with just saying like it is really it can be a, a pleasant journey. Remember that right. it's there's not a reason all we all procreate and yeah. have multiple kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not all darkness. It definitely there is light spots, and we can talk about yeah. that. And even when you are, even if you are experiencing some postpartum or anxiety or struggling, yeah. you can have a mixed emotion. You can have a day or a moment where you're just like loving life, and yeah. then you can fall back down. Like this is not all black and white, guys. Definitely, we lo- we like that. We love to play in the gray. Yeah, maybe. we do. <laughs> So I have zero jokes. I'm unfunny today. So I have help a multitude. Me. Help me be jokey. I have so many guys. Okay, good. All right, hit us. Why did the man bring his pregnant wife a small lizard? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. She told him to pick up a baby monitor. Oh. Because <laughs> a monitor is a type of lizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. My science friends will enjoy that. Good, good. What do you call a cow that had a baby? Mooder. <laughs> <laughs> no, close. Decaffeinated. Oh my gosh. Because a baby cow's calf. I yeah, love it. Yeah. I like that. Okay. All right. A baby's laugh is one of the most beautiful things you will ever hear. Uh huh. Unless it's 3 a.m., you're home alone and you don't have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> kids are creepy side note there are some creepy ass kids out there some of the shit they say too is scary it's like what the what (laughs) i had i was watching my baby on the monitor last night and he was just like chatting and i was like who is he talking to (laughs) it's like i'm a little creeped out i'm gonna turn this off (laughs) i don't want to see this (laughs) he's talking to the demon (laughs) okay hit me with the last one okay when Chuck Norris was a baby, he didn't have a teddy bear. You know why? No. He had a real bear. <laughs> 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 Fucking love Chuck Norris jokes. I know, right? So much. <laughs> so much. So much. <laughs> my my uh, grandmother actually, like, unironically watched Walks- Walker, Texas Ranger growing up. Nice. So I unironically watch Walker, Texas Ranger growing up. I love up. it. So I yeah. A, me and Chuck have a history. <laughs> Chuck Norris is awesome. Yeah. I remember in high school one time we had to make uh, ads for certain political components. Yeah. And one of the people who I was doing my ad for, Chuck Norris supported. So at the end of our thing, we did like a Chuck Norris approved and like. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Like the fist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into our podcast today about parenthood. And we will catch you next week. We so appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.